0: Today I saw a great reminder um, that we are to be more concerned about our own mental health than with the feelings of others. And a memory came to me. Uh, It was one of my favorite volunteer assignments um, back in Richmond, Virginia, sponsored by NBC12 and. Uh, instead of, you know, the traditional Thanksgiving, and instead of the traditional, uh, you know, what we do, which is great, we give people food who are in need of food and food insecure. And so, you know, kind of the, I guess you would think of the soup line or there's a line, people carry a tray and, and, and people, you know, drop food in as they come along. You know, this year, they, they spun that on its head. And I loved it because what we did, it was in a, they acquired a large hotel ballroom. And people who were in need of a meal that day came in and they were served by volunteers. And what I mean by that is you say, well, the line is serving, but yeah, we served them like we were the waitresses and the waiters. So what we did was, you know, we had our pads and we were taking their orders in terms of what they wanted, what we had to offer. Top chefs were in the back fixing the food. And we went to their table. They were seated the entire time. And we went to their table and asked them for their order, what they wanted. And, And we brought that plate, that prepared plate, chef prepared plate, back to them and their family. Or the friends of whom ever joined them. Oh, that was so great. So we were also encouraged, you know, by the uh, organizers of the event. You know, people need to be seen. It's very important that people are heard. Okay, so once you know the mostly the, the food was served to folks and everybody's eating and everything and had all of their needs met, then it. The, they asked the volunteers, you know. We're not going to stand around and just kind of watch people. What we're going to do is go and converse. We're going to sit and have conversations with folks. So you're talking people who are anchors, people who come from all walks of life. We're going to go sit down and talk with people, person to person. We're all going to be people in here today. Yes, we are. And so we went in and we went and, you know, I, my, the, my, po- my chosen person was a elder woman, um, maybe she was about in her 70s or 80s I would say and you know what, I love listening to stories from other people so that was great for me, we were having a grand conversation and then came the time when she said, oh okay so this isn't usually here and you all don't usually work here I said, no, no, no and she said, what do you do then what do you do, you know, for a living and I talked about that and uh, talked about the work that at the time uh, Was more focused around Sexual violence and the ending of it And bringing awareness and that type of thing And uh, I think I was doing that at a, sto- uh, at a state coalition and At the state coalition in Virginia And she said uh, Oh Oh Because this is where this, you know, The mood changed And she said you know Back in my day, we didn't talk about such things. I pers- I didn't take that personally. I was noticing that, you know, I'm over, I'm I'm smiling because I'm proud of what I do. And uh, she's kind of stiffened a bit and she now has a faraway look. I asked her, you know, or talked to her about maybe try to change the subject. It was very clear she wasn't interested in having a conversation anymore. She just wanted to, you know, in her evening, sitting by herself. And so that was a lesson, a life lesson for me. That, number one, stay, you know, I was doing right. Stay in therapy and keep talking because at the very least, even if it was somebody that was paid to listen to me, I had someone who was going to listen to me and allow me to unburden and and not carry the pressures of the silence, you know? I learned that there is no good time. There's never a good time to bring up something that makes other people uncomfortable. This woman lived to be into her, you know, 70s or 80s. And it's, it would appear that apparently there was never a good time for her to unburden whatever it is um, that triggered that, 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 that change in her. Whatever it may be. So there was never a good time for her. Never a good time. For her to break her, her silence, and can you even imagine? Think about it. By that age, a lot of those people are not—we're not with us anymore—and yet she was still carrying that burden. Those people were gone on up wherever they gone, gone up, gone on up yonder, as the song says, or gone whatever direction they—they—they, they, they, you know, their choices led them. But she's still carrying that. And it it just emphasized to me, people are very, very, very happy. Oh, they're just fine. They're just fine and lovely to let you carry that burden for as long as you choose to carry it or or not even choice sometimes it's choice sometimes for as long as you were conditioned to carry it yeah and so you know just listening to I, I love telling people please listen to the elders listen just let folks talk it'll teach you so much about life and y'all know I love the question well who benefits who benefits from the burden of your silence, who benefits from that? Well, certainly not you. Maybe the people you're trying to make comfortable, but certainly not you. All right. So I'm guessing that people would argue that there are some advantages to um, si- polite silence around oppression. Polite silence around abuse, polite silence around violence, and I guess they would argue that there's momentary silence, momentary, uh, let me say that again, there's momentary um, comfort that people, you know, you don't want to make other people comfortable. And I've had people say that directly to me uh, several times that, um, you know, it's, it's better not to make people uncomfortable. With what you may be going through or what you've suffered, um, I guess the second reason that people often give, particularly on social media, people will say, "Well, we don't want to cause division. We don't want to be divided." As if the the person who is suffering the oppression, the person who is suffering the burden of the oppression, is the one. Who's causing division and discomfort because they chose to talk about the suffering. That's what's causing the division. That's what's causing the controversy. It certainly cannot be the fact that the controversy, the mistreatment, the abuse, the violence, the sexism, the misogyny, the misogynoir... The hate for black women. It can't be that the racism or the act itself was divisive. That that is rarely considered. It's not the people who were violent. Certainly not. What it is, is as people say. It is the fact that you're inconveniencing other people from being completely comfortable in their lives with your very true factual statements about oppression, violence, and abuse. I guess. So, I guess those would be the pros to silence around oppression, violence, and mistreatment. But, you know, we came up with some... some some cons to silence. Number one, silence further isolates. Silence can make survivors feel completely alone. It's as if you, when you speak, you bring a secret to light and they want to cut off every light in the building. They're very uncomfortable with it and uh, they're uncomfortable with the, the truth. They're uncomfortable with your truth. And there is literally a struggle. To go back to a time when they didn't have to deal with the truth of life. And that can be very isolating because it means you have to carry your burden all by yourself. Silence reinforces a sense of shame. Now shame is the thinking that there's something wrong with you. There's something materially wrong with you. I am dirt, I am grotesque, I am ugly, I am hideous, I am crazy, I am more imperfect than most people. If you think that you are dirt, for instance, then imagine that there, imagine this, there's no accomplishment, there's no level of success, there's no amount of money, there's no standard of beauty. That you can reach. That will make you ever feel greater than the sum of dirt. And you know what? Even You will think even dirt has more value than me. Even dirt has more value than me. Shame is something you just can't wash off. You can't outlive it. You can't think that in the end of years. It's just going to go away. You have to work on that. Because shame. I mean shame doesn't just go bone deep. Shame goes right into the. You know this. What's that in the bones. (laughs) I forgot y'all. But whatever is deeper than bone. That's how deep shame goes. Talking about abuse. Helps people to heal. Talking about injustice helps people to be resilient and heal and hang on and to help each other to come up with new coping strategies and new ways of, of, of dealing with it and overcoming so the disadvantage to silence would be that yes it reinforces shame and survivors really should feel free to speak openly about abuse just as they would if they were a victim of any other type of crime. I tell people, you know, I was in my early 20s and I said that I was grown. And I was going to live with, uh, you know, uh, live with my boyfriend. And we had got a little place together. And in the span of one week, we were robbed. <laughs> I don't know how long we had been there before this happened, but we were We were happy all the way up until we got robbed twice in one week. And I remember, I didn't have any shame. I didn't have any shame in uh, talking with my coworkers about it. I didn't have any shame with calling my family and telling them about it. I didn't have any shame with the cops coming through. Family even came through, you know, to kind of make sure we were okay. And there was that black fingerprint dust all over the house. And I still didn't feel shame. But at this time, I was still living with the shame of other crimes that had been far worse crimes than taking material possessions I was still living with that shame of my body being violated and vandalized. And I was wearing the shame of that, definitely. Silence reinforces a sense of guilt. And so, just taking a moment to talk about the difference between shame and guilt shame is i am dirt it's your material reality you think that you are something terrible guilt is the action that you think led to you're being violated so for girls often it's you know the internalization of i I was fast, I was flirtatious, I was precocious, I smiled, you know, I I hung around guys. So you feel that you have some buy-in to what happened to you. And we've talked to boys who've said, you know, males who've said, listen, I was a young man, but I was told that when I was a young boy, it was because I was soft. It was because I was... uh, uh, not as masculine. It was because I was taking up some sort of art, as opposed to playing some sort of some sort of sport that would make people think I'm, you know, more masculine. Yeah. So guilt often comes, you know, from uh, messages we've received that people didn't just, you know, people didn't sit us down and say, "Hey, you're guilty because." It wasn't that. It was that we internalized these messages. That were. May have been said to us directly. In that you know. Hey you're fast. Or you're precocious. Or you're soft. Or you know. You're, 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 you, you look like a girl. Or something like that. As opposed. And said it looked like a girl in a bad way. Because look like a girl is a compliment. But anyway. But moving on. To say that you know. There's something wrong with what you did. And if you had not done that. If you had not behaving in that way. If you had not carried out XYZ actions. Then you wouldn't necessarily feel. That uh, you were guilty. You were complicit. So, (sighs) In this deep. We do some terrible things to each other. Okay. So you believe what happened is your fault. Now in your head. You may know. Because I, I, I recall and, and, you know, sat down with many survivors that I know it wasn't my fault. And then a time later, you'll hear a part in the conversation where it reveals that maybe just subconsciously you do feel that you did something to bring this on. And that's not something you deserve. You don't deserve the shame. You don't deserve the guilt. Okay. Silence is toxic. I think this is pretty easy to understand, seeing as toxic is a buzzword for us uh, right now. Um, silence basically kills from the inside. And, and it may not be kill in the sense of, you know. Gone It may be in the sense of It kills your ability to trust It kills your Ability to love yourself Thereby Killing some relationships Kills You know know, opportunities That you just Because of what you've gone through You just don't feel That you're You're adequate enough Or you're enough To go for the opportunity. Silence is—it stifles the self. Years of abuse can bring on scalding pain, depression, and scars that may well be there for a lifetime. And it's okay to have scars as long as you know they're healing. There's nothing wrong with having a scar. Yeah, something wrong with the person put the scar there, but it's nothing wrong with having the scar. It, but it can also bring in a deep well of creativity, of empathy, compassion, strength and resilience. and creativity because now you see things maybe a little differently from other folk. So you become all through your life, this living collage of experiences, good, And some very, very, very terrible. Very, very, very traumatic. And no one should be forced into silence that will stifle this. That they have no one they can turn to. No one. No one. There are folk, many millions, who live behind a pain wall. Be, that really is reinforced by others Or is, has been reinforced by People who are not even here on this earth with us anymore But I get it Who will not even No such thing as talk to a therapist Because that is not Even the thought of t- telling someone That you paid to listen to you Goes against everything That they were taught that they believed that that they think it goes against everything. So when we're talking about silence, we're not talking about, okay, maybe your co-workers, maybe it's not a, you know, a co-worker conversation or 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 I barely even know you conversation. You know, and maybe it's not. Not even a social media conversation, public conversation. Not everybody wants their story out there in public. And that's, that's, that's great. That's wonderful. That's perfectly fine. But here's the thing. What we're talking about is that forced shaming. And you know uh, around even saying it when you're ready. To whom you're ready to say it to. Especially family. Friends. Relationship partners. There are people with relationship partners who will never, never, never tell them about what happened. And if they did, that would be like giving that relationship partner who is wondering what is going on. That would be like giving them a golden key because they would understand so much i never forget, I had, um, done some, uh, work, um, in, in, in a city, I hate to mention stuff, because I, I don't like to tell people's, you know, personal things, but, so I won't mention names, but I was in Baltimore, and, um, I was getting, uh, you know, acquiring stories from persons who ex- experienced sexual violence, and, um, there were two women who came in. Both were sex workers. And both were. Homeless. And. Both back to back were telling. Up, telling me this story for a research. Federal research project. I was I was working on. And they. I would never reveal to them. But what I am walking around knowing. Is that both mother and daughter. Said to me. No, I would never want her to meaning each other. I would never want her to know about this because I wouldn't want I wouldn't want that on her. And I'm sitting there with it, thinking, "Oh my goodness, they're both walking around in a lot of pain, and they could they could turn to one another because they they clearly they loved each other." They. You know, they came in together, they were, t- you know, and they were on this, you know, the journey that they were on together, but not able to share a mutual pain at different times, different perpetrators with one another because one didn't want the other one to. I understand this slang. uh, Have that on them. Basically have to deal with that. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. Wow. (laughs) I was sitting there thinking, oh my gosh. They could be turning to comfort each other. Or help each other through. But this is what we do. We force folks into silence and we don't make it commonplace. We make, it's commonplace to get on, you know, any network in, in, in the world to report about the crime. But it is not commonplace to report about the pain, the effects, how it made you feel, how it impacted your family, how it still haunts you today, what it costs you today in healthcare costs. Because listen, I'm saying therapy, but believe you me, I'm not being casual about the fact that everyone cannot afford therapy. So we don't talk about you know what, what 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 what. There are some folks who suffer headaches years later. Headaches. There are people, and while we're on the subject of silence, before we get to that last thing, kind of of, of uh, silence. Let's talk about, because we're going to talk about it on another recording. There are so many things that men and women do not tell their doctors. And doctors, you know, are baffled. Why are you having all these headaches? Why are you having this? Why, Why that? Why is your blood pressure? And it has, it can have a lot to do with the trauma that you've suffered. migraines, I mean, there's like endless, I think there's unknown amounts of things that can happen to the human body as a direct result of trauma. Now, flip that, because I do understand that you can also go in, because I've done it, you can also go in and tell your health care provider that you've suffered from um, some sort of violence or trauma or, or what have you racism we're learning that racism kills right you can suffer from all of that and tell your provider yeah <laughs> y'all don't mean to laugh because I, I sometimes i just laugh just to keep from you know but i remember going to i was in my 20s and i went to a doctor shopping around for doctors and i remember i was in a uh, therapy and I told this one doctor, he's supposed to be the hotshot doctor, new to town. All the folks were trying to get in with him. It took forever to get an appointment with him. So I go in. And I'm telling him, yes, I'm in counseling, I'm in therapy, da, 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 da. And I think he had brought it up because he said, I noticed that you're you're on XYZ. You're doing this, you're doing that. What is that about? And I said, oh, yeah. And I explained it to him, you know, the whole trauma abuse, not too long, you know, just 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 the basics. Oh we're doing this and he said you still worried about that (laughs) (sighs) yeah and I remember that was whoo that was painful and uh, cuz I'm still in my 20s so yeah you could have not was yeah that that was yuck so um, I clearly knew he wasn't gonna be able to help me find out what was going on with me Um, Because he wasn't even going to listen to, you know, make that mind-body connection thing. Yeah, next. So, on the flip side, I understand that, yes, we don't tell our health care providers. To my Christian women or women of any faith, I understand, you know, the research says that we're less likely to tell our health care providers. To reveal to them things that are going on with us. But the flip side of that is that it's, all, it's not always um, embraced in, in a careful manner. In a careful, empathetic, compassionate manner. It's, it's, it's not always, you know, unwrapped that way either. So I understand both. And the final drawback to silence is that silence can take away from the good memories. You know, if you've ever tried to walk around telling somebody part of something and you were trying to keep this, you know, safe secret. This secret was cool to keep, but you're trying to keep it. It really, trying to keep that stuff straight in your head. Things you're not supposed to say, you're not supposed to talk about. Takes away from the moment that you're living at that time. It takes away a little bit of that. And it also takes away from... Remembering just how good some of those moments were. I'll tell you, once you get through and you start being able to talk with friends, family, um, relationship partner, trusted, uh, that kind of thing. You get to journaling. You get to doing all of that kind of thing. Now you can remember which of those days were actually good if there were any. Because for some people, there weren't any. But if there were remembering the goodness of it, remembering, you know, with all of our senses, what, what something felt like, what something sounded like, how good it sounded, how good it smelled, to wake up to, to this smell in the morning and that type of thing. Um, and so silence really detracts from that. And listen, when I'm talking about silence, I'm talking about silence around surviving violence and abuse, silence around sexism, sexual harassment. Silence around misogyny, misogynoir, silence around racism, silence around homophobia, silence around people, you know, being bigoted for for what you believe, you know, whether you're Christian, Muslim or, or Jewish the forced silence of that and the burden of carrying that around i it's hard for you know i it's hard for me to see that we don't see that the burden of carrying around injustices is really a burden is just too great to carry